Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Well, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. Once again, I have Phil Moran and Josh Bales in the studio with me. We are unfortunately missing our brother, Jonathan. Um, not feeling so well today. Hopefully, praying that he gets well soon. We are. I'm hosting today um, because this way Josh can blame me if anything goes wrong. That's right. So if you have any complaints, email Russ. And if you have anything, if you have any praise, just send that my way. (laughs) (laughs) Or the real reason could be that these are some questions that I was sent by a prisoner in Oregon and. I wanted them to do my work for me and answer all these questions, and then I'm just meticulously taking notes, and then I'm just going to send back their answers to this prisoner. The background is this this individual had molested his daughter, ended up in prison. Um, we hope and pray that he's come to a place of repentance, but there are still some questions that he's wrestling with, and today we're shifting gears slightly. We talked about the whole relationship between sovereignty and free will the last couple of days. And so if you want, you can go back and listen to those. Um, just catch them on the, the podcasts from the, either the Reformation Boise website or the, the voice. But today we're going to shift gears and start with this question. If God could have prevented evil from existing and did not do so, this is what this prisoner is writing. So there might be some mistakes in the actual formulation of, of what's being said. So, But we're working from this. So if God could have prevented evil from existing and did not do so, then God must have been either indifferent to its existence or even acting in accord with this other power causing its existence. Okay, can we just stop right there? I yep. know you were going to read them yep. all. Yep. I asked you to, but... Yep. Um, yep. I think um, this is an example of what's called in logic an either-or fallacy, where you're given two choices, and actually there's a third choice, like, like um, Phil, are you are you still beating your wife? <laughs> <laughs> right. um, that that would if he answers yes or no, it, it's it's he he entraps himself. Well, he was never beating his wife to begin with. Um, it it presents two false choices. Um, God must have either been indifferent to its its existence, which is faults throughout the bible god is holy he hates sin or the second choice is that he's acting in accord with this other power causing its existence which kind of gives this idea of a dualism like Mm -hmm. there's this equal power that's next to god and god is and this other power is doing evil and god is just kind of allowing it to happen that that would also be a false view um the truth is, is that um, God ordained evil, and the Bible actually gives us a reason why. In Romans chapter 11, after Paul makes his argument, basically starting in Romans 9 about God's sovereignty and then his, uh, his plan for saving the nations in chapter 10 and, verse 11, and, and then chapter 11, he makes this conclusion statement right before he goes into this last doxology, and he says this, 
for or or because God has consigned all, that's Jew and Gentile, to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Now that's a that's a massive statement. Has two parts. God in in other translations it says that God has shut up all to disobedience. In other words, sin has come into the world because of God's consigning it. He appointed it. He ordained it. Why did he do that, God? So that he might have mercy on all. In other words, the reason why God brought, God ordained evil to come into the world was to display Jesus Christ, was to display a savior, a redeemer for mankind that could both solve the problem of sin and the holiness of God. God wanted Jesus Christ to come onto stage. That's why he created human, human beings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let, let's also say in addition to that, the Bible never, never, offers an explanation of the origin of evil. There is not the slightest hint in the Bible. And you can drive yourself nuts trying to figure that out or trying to read between the lines somewhere in the Bible, uh, but it's not there. Uh, some kind of an explanation of, of, the, of, the, of the origin of evil. God made the world, uh, as this individual uh, points out, poor, Part of what he says, uh, I'm not talking about the Bible, I'm talking about our prisoner friend. What do we do with the statement made by God after he finished creating and saw his creation that everything was very good? How can this be if God created evil? Uh, God did not create evil. God did stand back and say everything is good. And then in the third chapter of Genesis, without any explanation, evil pops up in the garden. The serpent tempts Adam and Eve with a question about the goodness of God. Why, you know, God's holding out on you. God's been lying to you that you're going to eat this fruit and then you'll be like God knowing good and evil. So suddenly evil just pops up without any explanation. And brothers and sisters, listeners, you can drive yourself nuts trying to figure out the origin of evil or even the origin of, of good. Where does good come from? Well, we know that good comes out of the, the heart of God, and that God is, by defi- God is the definition of goodness. God is the definition of mercy. God has allowed evil in the world, as, as Joshua is just saying, so that he might reveal to us his goodness in the gift of his Son to the world. So some would say, well, that just sounds like a cop-out to say, well, God doesn't tell us where evil comes from, so we don't know. Shut the book and move on. How, how would you respond to that? Well, so I, w- I would say that if – so Phil's position is that um, the Bible doesn't give us an explanation of the exact mechanics of how sin came into the world, to which I agree. I, I do think the Bible does give us a purpose statement for why sin came into the world. That's what the mm-hmm. Romans 11 was talking about. Yeah, and I'd agree with that. And I would just say, if someone thinks that's a cop-out, um, I mean, the the Bible puts us in our place time and time again. Who are you, oh man, to talk back to God? I'm perfectly content with saying, I don't know. I don't know the mechanics of how sin specifically came into the world. I do know the purpose statement for why God did it. And I have you got, have you seen that movie um, God's Not Dead? Mm-hmm. 
So there's a really frustrating part in that movie where the the Christian is answering the, his atheistic philosophy, uh, atheistic professor's questions, and it gets down to this question: Why is there evil in the world? And his name is Josh, <laughs> and he answers the question saying, "Well, God didn't make us robots; He gave us free will, and that's why there is sin in the world." But that's a very unsatisfying answer because that basically says in heaven we're not going to have free will. In other words, in one sense, earth is better than heaven because we have more freedom down here than we will in heaven. That That is not a good answer. It's, it's not even really Christian in, in the robust historical sense of it. Mm-hmm. I think I would ask a, a question, and I'm going to stand by my assertion that the, that the Bible does not offer an explanation of, of evil. Um, it, it does. I, I'm going to agree 100% with Josh that God God has allowed evil. And he was, Josh was talking about Romans chapter 11, and I, well, I'm not going to find myself in disagreement with the Apostle Paul that to bring glory to Himself by giving us the gift of His Son and by showing His mercy. Uh, that's why God allowed rebellion and sin. But the Bible still does not offer an explanation of where evil originated. You know, we can go back to the garden and we can say, well, it's Adam's sin in the garden. Well, who who suggested sin to Adam? The serpent. Where did the serpent come from? There's no answer. Um, but, but we do know that, that the serpent came from God, that God created Satan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, as an angel of light. As an angel of light, that he was created as a good being. Yep. And you can, and, and then you back up to that. And where did the idea of evil pop into Satan's mind? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know. There, there is no explanation for that. But I would want to ask a follow-up question to any person, because I've never talked to anybody in my life, and I've, I've shared this with many, many people, uh, when talking, when sharing the gospel with people, I've shared the seventh chapter of Romans. The thing that I want to do, I find that I cannot do. The thing that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Every person that I've ever spoken with in my life will nod their head in agreement mm-hmm. at that, if they're, if they're honest. And uh, and even even unbelievers will nod their head in, the, in agreement, yes. <laughs> Things that I don't want to do, things that I know are evil, I find myself doing. And the good that I want to do, I find that I can't do. Okay, and then I ask a follow-up question. Where did that come from? You know the good, and you can't do it. You know you're being tempted to do something evil, and you can't stop yourself. Mm-hmm. Where'd that come from? Yeah. You can't answer that question. You, you can't even answer the question of the origin of evil in your own heart, let alone the universe. Oftentimes, Isaiah 45 is talked about in, in conjunction with this conversation. It's, uh, I'm going to just read a couple of verses. It says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me. So he's talking to Cyrus, but it's a general statement as well that people may know from the rising of the sun and and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. So he's, he's declaring his absolute sovereignty over all things. 
I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity, which is the same word for evil. I am the Lord who does all these things. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down from right, rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I am the Lord, and I have created it. Mm-hmm. How does this fit into that whole conversation of evil? Where does it come from? God involvement in all of this. I think the, the passage in Isaiah and throughout the whole book of Isaiah, God demonstrates his sovereignty over and over and over again. And that, Isaiah 45, is very much in line with that. So when he says he creates calamity, he is saying that he is appointing and ordaining um, and predestining that evil would come into the world. There couldn't be evil. The alternative is that evil came from some other source. Mm-hmm. And the alternative is that that other source was more powerful to God and then could thwart his purposes. We cannot say that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we do not have God. So God is just affirming what is true about all of reality. That is not the same thing as saying, as as Phil has pointed out several times, quoting from James, that God is tempting people to sin, that God is injecting evil into their heart. And um, y- you, have to, you have to be able to say at the end of the day that God ordains sin sinlessly. And if you say, I don't understand that, <laughs> welcome to God being infinite. Yeah, join the club. Yep. There is a saying that I think we have to keep in mind, and I hope it's not a cop-out, that the finite con- can't comprehend the infinite. Yes. And, and we're finite. And God is not. And if we could fully understand God and his actions and his mind and his wisdom, then he wouldn't be much of a God. Um, And I hope that doesn't come as some sort of escapism, but just the reality of the greatness of the God that we serve. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. 